Hello and welcome to Centre for Mental Health's podcast, where we explore ideas around mental health, equality and social justice. I'm Thea Joshi, and on the podcast we talk to people with lived experience of mental health problems, or those working in a specific area, about engaging in the fight for equality in mental health. This month I sat down with Amano Inai, one of our peer researchers, and Andrula Harris, our senior researcher, to discuss our evaluation of a project in Birmingham to boost young black men's mental health. The evidence is clear that young black men are more likely to end up in restrictive mental health settings, but are less likely to get effective early help. So Andrula and Amano explain the work we've been doing alongside amazing partners in Birmingham to explore how community-based, culturally informed spaces for young black men can make a real difference in terms of mental health, but also in terms of building hope for the future, a sense of belonging and of being heard. They reflect on the role and impact of peer research and participant observation within the evaluation and on the need to decolonise research. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Amano Inai and Andrula Harris. Amano is one of our peer researchers and Andrula is one of our senior researchers at the centre. Hi guys. Hello. Hi. It's so great to have you guys here. We're going to be chatting about um, some of our latest research, which launched last week. So our latest report, Shifting the Dial, um, so yeah, launched last week, and it's the evaluation of um, a three-year project of the same name. And uh, we've been working alongside partners with young black men in Birmingham to build their mental health and resilience. Um, So I'd love if you guys could just tell us a little bit more, uh, share a bit more background about the project. Yeah, sure. So at the centre, we worked on an evaluation prior to this one, which was called Up By Street, which was working with um, many of the same projects. So all projects specifically designed to help young black men with their mental health in Birmingham. Um, And that evaluation found that the projects were um, successfully helping young black men. And we really wanted to see longer term um, the effect that this was happening. So we were lucky enough to get more funding to look at this over a longer period of time. And an area that we're really interested in is that young black men face multiple mental health inequalities. And we know that they have bigger risks um, for many reasons, but these include experiences of racism, discrimination and trauma. And we think it's so important that their needs are really brought to the fore um, because they are so often overlooked or misunderstood. Yeah, so following on from what Andrula said, um, I was involved with the projects, but as a peer researcher, um, the Shifting the Dial project was in partnership with um, NHS Birmingham Institute for Mental Health, the Rep, Light Pulse Theatre, and First Class Legacy. Now, as a peer researcher, um, it meant that I could essentially add a, a bit of a dimension to the research because. I personally, as somebody who was affected with uh, poor mental health, also a black uh, male between 16 and 25, um, and I got involved with First Class Legacy through trying to create a project around black male mental health myself. And then through going to First Class Legacy, I got to know the Centre of Mental Health. They liked my responses as they was doing their evaluations. And they approached me about becoming a peer researcher. Um, so yeah, 
Um, that's great to hear. And it's interesting because I feel like this is a thing that keeps coming up in our podcast episodes about this idea of um, needing to hear from the people who have the lived experience and needing that lived experience to shape all of our research. And I know that that's something we're really passionate about at the centre. And uh, I'll link in the show notes to our podcast a few months ago with Alex Augustine, who's another one of our peer researchers, um, who talked a lot about this subject and the need for um, really harnessing lived experience and and um, not doing to people, but um, working arm in arm with communities so it'd be great to hear a bit more about like what was the what was the Shifting the Dial project really setting out to achieve in Birmingham? So Shifting the Dial um, aimed to improve the resilience, mental health and well-being of young black men in Birmingham. And um, the ways that it achieved this was through creating um, a safe space, safe spaces where young black men could express themselves, whether that be through drama or workshops, mentoring opportunities. And yeah, uh, also it was important to build up certain skills like um, young men's confidence um, and also helping to support and develop their aspirations for the future. Um, and yeah, we, we found that the projects did have a good level of success in these areas. And in our methodology that we developed with peer researchers, we were, we were measuring this in, in different ways. So it was mainly through focus groups, interviews, and also participant observation, um, where peer researchers were really immersed in what was going on in the different projects and were able to observe and write their own first-hand accounts of the experience of being in these spaces, what it felt like to be there, and what were the outcomes for the young men who, who attend. Thanks, that's really helpful to hear that. And I think especially, as you were saying earlier, this project um, comes off the back of the pilot project we did up my street. Um, I think that really highlighted to us, um, as you say, how overlooked young black men have been in a lot of areas of um, policy and services provision and we know that there's you know no evidence of a genetic or um, cultural difference between ethnic groups that accounts for different mental health outcomes and yet we're seeing that four times as many black people are sectioned onto the mental health act as white people from the latest NHS data and also that 10 times as many black people are given community treatment orders when they leave hospital. And so it, my understanding is that, you know, the aim of this project is to say what's what's going on there. How can we um, boost and build the mental health of young black men to try and um, address in part the disproportionality we're seeing within mental health services and um, black men getting the support that they need. So it'd be great to hear a little bit more about um, the projects that were involved in Shifting the Dial and what they were setting out to do. Um, so I know we worked with First Class Foundation and also with the Rep and the Light Post Theatre. So could you guys tell me a little bit more about the different projects and how they worked? Um, so I worked with First Class Foundation. I first was a participant and became a peer researcher. Mostly what was very unique about being at First Class Foundation and um, getting involved with the projects was that firstly was the atmosphere and the way that they created an environment that was quite homely. First, they would, in the first hour, they would feed you with like 
cultural foods that we all knew, knew and loved. So most of us who were involved as participants are Black Caribbean, South African, but mostly Black Caribbean. So it was served with Caribbean food, sit down and eat and, and talk. Nothing too heavy, it was literally just a casual conversation. Then from there, we moved into a, let's call it a living room space. It was literally like a living room fireplace big nice leather seats etc um and we would sit in a circle and then we will talk about possibly two or three um topics around mental health or how we felt for the week or the month and then we just share each other's experiences um and from the initial apprehension some of us was it had with sharing from when one would share as they was more comfortable, especially with the space. Then others would get more comfortable and share. And I think what's important for me is that it didn't feel like I was being questioned as a patient. I felt like I was being questioned by family members or brothers. And I think that's the unique part of it and what we sometimes we lose when we work in these mental health organisations is that, of course, we have to keep that level of separation from us as a patient, but sometimes we can lose the human element. And that's what, for us as young Black men, or just as people in general, we, we want that human element. We want to be able to connect with the person and understand, you know, feel the empathy. And especially when the facilitators, in this case, it was Nathan Dennis and Nathan Schillingford, shared their own experiences it meant that okay we weren't subjects we were actually having a human conversation and I think that's that's where the power comes from I just love hearing about that and I will also link to a podcast we did with Nathan um last year where we talked more about that but it's so exciting to hear about um the way that project works and how it's meeting people that aren't generally often being met by sort of in quotes mainstream services and I think there's so much there for you know NHS statutory services to learn from in terms of as you say that human element um, that sense of humanity relating to someone as a person and not a patient um, and also the value the massive power of sharing our own experiences and our own vulnerabilities and it's so exciting and I just wish we were seeing more of that across the country so I'm excited that we can share um, the the impact of that through this report. Um, I know that the Rep and the Light Post Theatre were also involved in this, Um, what what were they doing as part of Shifting the Dial? Yeah so the Light Post Theatre as far as I know is the only drama group in the UK that is specifically for young black and black mixed race men and it's a group that meets frequently to um, develop ideas for productions that they create together and a lot of them are to do with themes around um, black heritage and black identity and the struggles and discrimination that you will unfortunately face as a young black man um, living in the UK. There's also a strong sense of belonging that comes from being a part of this group. So it's it's about acting, but it's also a lot more than that. It's about creative expression, um, the feeling of belonging and safety, being in a space where 
it is something that we re repeatedly heard from the young men that it was a space they felt they could truly be themselves and express themselves whether that's you know joyful moments but also difficult moments um so that there are some you know areas in which lightpost theater and uh, first class foundation de youngers are, are quite similar and that's why they were grouped together yeah that's something that really came out in the report and the evaluation i saw that um in both first class foundation and lightpost when the pandemic hit as, as hard and difficult as that was, there was a real sense of that kind of brotherhood and family that remained throughout, um, that people felt that, you know, it wasn't just, say, a theatre group or a group of people, but it was um, a real kind of family and sense of caring and that, again, that theme of brotherhood that seems to have made such a massive difference. I'd love to know a little bit more about why do you think that these projects were so powerful and had such a major impact on the young men involved? I think from my first class perspective, or first class foundation perspective, was that a number of the participants knew each other already. So there was some kind of camaraderie there. Now the ones that had who were new, including myself, who had entered the space, we immediately felt welcome. Even if we was not sharing, we felt welcome in the space. As I mentioned, it was more comfortable, they had food. And as I said, they didn't treat us like part participants. They treated us, they treated us like friends or brothers or family. And they didn't pressure us to come with an answer or to share. It was even if it meant that you just sat in the space and just listened, then that was fine. And then it was the fact that the facilitators didn't just end the conversation after the meeting they would keep regular contacts which is what we saw at um light posts as well they, the the participants fed back and said you know that when we was down they, they would also give us a whatsapp message or they would email us or give us a call um they had an open door policy on both um projects and so they didn't really feel like they was just it was just that space they felt like there was a continuity there. I think that the projects were so successful because um, being part of a group made up of black people made young people feel more comfortable. And on top of that, sharing common interests was really important for creating unity and belonging. Um, and it was really great to see the growth that the young men who attended the projects saw in themselves. Um, you can read more in the report, but one main theme which came out was seeing a positive future for yourself. So it seemed like a really important way that young men's dreams and aspirations were supported um, is from the brotherhood, being able to, to talk about their dreams and their goals and, you know, barriers they're facing together with their peers. Um, it really helped boost the confidence of the whole group um, in both cases. That is really helpful to hear. And, and I honestly feel like really excited hearing about this because it's so exciting to hear that projects like this are taking place. And I am really hopeful and really trusting that 
um, healthcare providers will be reading the report, reading the findings and really thinking, how can I, how can we make a service that meets people more where they're at um, to, to really kind of like take hold of and um, learn from the findings of, and learn from the good practice um, that we've seen in um, First Class Foundation, in Lightpost. Um, so, Amano, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your role as a peer researcher um, within the project and, you know, what, what was that experience like for you? What were you doing? Well, I was approached to be a peer researcher, I believe, on the back of engaging with one of the one of the meetings at First Class Foundation. So I was looking for peer researchers um, to provide, I would say, cultural context to some of the data, because there's be certain things that we would say that only us as black men or as black people would understand even if like implicitly. So one of the things that I raised in the um in the writing or the literature was about the silences or we finishing sentences with you get me or you know what I'm saying. Now for us, um from my experience anyway, all we have to do if we say we know what I'm saying is look each other in the eye and just and somehow we know what by the at the end of it, what we was trying to say without finishing a whole sentence. The other thing is, is um, what's another thing that was was interesting? Yeah, I just think it was just about the cultural context. It's like the, just the nuances of things, just being in the room as somebody who has both had a lived experience, both Black and both on the Black culture, Black Caribbean culture. It meant you just pick up on the non-verbal cues and then it was about translating that into literature, um, which was quite interesting. It was like being on the outside while being on the inside, because it meant how how do I translate these types of cult- cultural norms to somebody who's not in there, and not and so that it can be, in a sense, read by or read universally by anyone who picks it up. So yeah, and I think it being a peer researcher kind of added to making people feel comfortable or the other participants feeling comfortable and not feeling like a subject again, as mentioned, because it, it meant that I had a stake in making sure that their voices were heard and it was told um, fairly and not, ex- and not in a way that was exploitative. Yeah, I think you've hit on something so vital there, Romano, about that thing of it not being exploitative. And I'm sure we could talk about this for hours, um, this idea of kind of trying to decolonize research and recognize the sort of the white supremacy and the way that has embedded itself within kind of Western research. And yeah, so that we're not kind of exploiting people for findings, but we're actually working arm in arm with like a genuine, authentic approach um, that uh, recognizes people's humanity and um, again, that's not like doing research to people to them, but it's really hearing their perspective. Yeah, I think that's a that's a interesting point that you made um, about decolonizing research because I feel that living in the West, there seems to be this approach that's highly. It's like we approach human behavior and human relationships and experiences from a highly intellectual level and not from a space of empathy 
we see people as the object rather than as subjects that with complicated feelings and emotions and lived realities and lived experiences. And if we compound that with racism, it's, it's historically we've seen black people as an object and as somebody who's the other, as something as barbaric or just bestial then. And then if we, if we make that specific to black women, we can see that in medical research and how you know, um, the way we can explain black aggression is because they come from the jungle or whatever, or crimes because of their, this colour of their skin, or, you know, instead of giving them the, instead of addressing the social, political and economic realities that certain demographics of black men or black people face, and it is a reaction to that. Whereas, as we've seen, this is how, uh, Black people, as particularly black men, are brought in into um, the mental health system. You see that permeate them, um, and how we deliver research and how we deliver solutions. Mostly, it would be harsher or with treated with less empathy than with our white counterparts. Maybe that might go back to, um, you know political and philosophical thinking by Hobbes Waiters, you know, or I don't know, who's the other guy that we usually use? You know, those those guys then basically that just see like the white man as the most intellectual and he, de- he deserves to be treated with respect and dignity and he's just down on his luck and that's the same experiences as, as white women have historically been um, treated with as well where they've been seen as the object so it seems like <laughs> essentially the white man is the one who's the most human because he's the most intellectual and deserves to be treated with respect and, you know, um, has to be helped. Whereas us, whether it be white women or black women or black men or the black community or the other, don't get that same grace and mercy. Yeah, I think that the peer research aspect of this project and the way we've designed it was really, really vital and that the project couldn't have taken the evaluation couldn't have taken place without it. We didn't want to come in as white researchers and um, do research to the young men taking part in these projects in Birmingham. We thought it was so important to recruit peer researchers from um, young men such as Amano who actually were already embedded in these projects um, and to work with them to really um, co-design how the research should should look um, you know are we even asking the right questions what questions should we be asking how should we be asking those questions and it's um, working with Amano and other peer researchers has been so crucial to um, improving the engagement that we've had with participants um, I think that the authenticity that they'll bring to discussions you know including really important issues like racism and the the kind of instant rapport that can be developed um, when you're speaking to someone from a similar background to yourself similar age group you know similar location all these things just really help to build up that trusting rapport really quickly so yeah it's been a it's been a real success using the peer research methodology and we'll just recommend that other projects maybe if you haven't used peer research before 
do look into it because it's such a worthwhile and underused method. Yeah, that's such helpful context. And um, again, we really hope that um, researchers uh, and research bodies will be listening to this and thinking about where can we where can we learn from this um, and do check out the report for more on that. So as we've said, at Centre for Mental Health, our role is to evaluate the project and, and explore its impact. And all of those findings are, are in the report, which obviously we'll link to. But for you, what were some of the key things that you found from the research? I'd say the key finding from the report is that the Shifting the Dial programme enabled young men to boost their well-being, gain confidence and learn new skills. And this was particularly important because the pandemic occurred during this period. So it was a period of extreme adversity and, um, you know, also traumatic incidents such as the murder of George Floyd. You know, we know that that is one of many, many, many similar traumatic incidents that have been happening over centuries. Um, But yeah, also want to, you know, refer to that incident because it did leave a lot of young men feeling very traumatised. So the sense of belonging and support that they could continue to rely on from these projects and, you know, being encouraged to vocalise their feelings about their mental health and well-being. Um, you know, for many, that was a real lifeline at this time. Yeah, I would agree. I think when I was doing the peer research for First Class Foundation, we had touched on the subject of George Floyd briefly a lot of them didn't want to speak about it because they were still processing it some of them were more cynical about the issue both both the the incident and the protests that were subsequently happening some of them felt like it, there was no point there was there's nothing else to do it's probably going to stretch under the rug um another one mentioned that they were angry and um yeah, that was very angry and very frustrated and didn't want to pacify it and, you know, forgive or, you know, just have it swept under the rug. They they wanted to express that they was feeling frustrated and feeling like that they wanted to just burn stuff down, basically. Um, and then funny enough, by somebody in that group sharing that, then the others felt more comfortable in at least saying that, you know, it does bother them, but we still haven't processed it yet. So I think in tying that in, I think having that continuity of the same members, but also um, having participants that are comfortable enough in the space to be able to share, and at least at least one of them being able to comfortable to share, kind of inspires the others, and they know that it's coming from a space of I don't know friendship, I would say, and it's I think it's about the emotional intelligence of the facilitators as well to know when not to speak and just let the participants reel off um, and not interrupt or give them so many prompts, giving prompts, but not so many that it kind of um, steers them into an emotion or tries to explain away how they're feeling. Yeah, 100%. And obviously that takes, you know, that takes a lot of skill, a lot of kind of Um, expertise to manage that conversation and to to really well to facilitate that conversation in a way that really enables um, young people to kind of actually express and to to sort of process what they're going through so I mean looking ahead what I'd love to know is kind of you know we've made recommendations within the report but 
Um, what would you say is the key thing that you want decision makers, services, whoever else, politicians um, to take away from the research that you've done? You know, what is it that you want to see change? Um, we're calling for the government, the NHS and charitable funders to take steps to boost young black men's mental health. Um, I believe this must include tackling racism and racial justice. And I also think it's about taking action to address the specific injustices faced by young black men across health, education um, and employment justice systems as well. Yeah, I agree completely. And um, also that the government needs to take action on the causes of poor mental health among young black men. Um, and this will be really important as they um, work on the forthcoming cross-government mental health plan. Um, and we think it's really crucial that young black men are meaningfully engaged in the development of the plan so that their interests can really be at the heart of it. Um, and as always at the centre, you know, they're always recommending that the government should be led by the most robust evidence. And I think I would add to that to say that there are so many organisations that are at local and grassroots level who are already doing amazing work with a fraction of the funding that major organisations are doing but are not producing um, enough impact and uh, value for money. So by Centre of Mental Health working with organisations like First Class Foundation and Light Post, it's we've proven that to reach and engage groups is to work with those local groups that are already doing the work and we can see this through in other sectors anyway that that's a it's a wider discussion about um providing systematic and consistent funding to local organizations um and how that has impacted you can see how the, the adverse effect that austerity has had on local organizations and you've seen how it's had a wider negative impacts both in the inner city and nationally both for young people's prospects and their mental health um, and i think if we're going to change society both set it back to where it was and but also it's a quote boris johnson <laughs> build back better we have to take these we have to bring these local organizations and organizations like the center of mental health into these conversations at policy level to say that the research is there the people are there you just need to bring the money and bring the political will to make things happen so that's what i would say i think that is the perfect note to end on amano um thank you so much thank you angela um for sharing your insights in this it's been really great to hear more about um the project the evaluation and um obviously all of this is available on our website i'll link to it all um but for now i just want to say thank you guys it's been great hanging out thank you Thea. oh thank you i really hope you enjoyed hearing more about this vital work you can find lots more on our website about the fight for equality in mental health and specifically on racial justice. We rely on donations to carry out our work, so if you found this useful, please do support us at centreformentalhealth.org.uk slash donate. Take care and see you next time.